Hi, and welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. This week, we have an amazing videographer and photographer, Joan Michelle. You guys know the deal, so without further ado, let's hop right in. So, uh, welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. Uh, how, how are you doing so far today? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Well, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, been watching your work on YouTube and... Um, Actually, I um, recently found out that you paint as well. Um, I did not know that. Um, being someone who has many like different outputs for expressing themselves, um, do you feel it's like important to have many different outlets for people? Um, and then how did you actually get involved into these outlets? So growing up, uh, my background is fine arts. So that's where the painting comes from. I would sketch and learn how to paint and all that stuff since, yeah, I was really young. And then I did that throughout till the end of high school. And then in high school, when you're a senior, you have to figure out what you're going to major in in college. And last minute, I just suddenly decided that I wanted to get into photography because that was when I guess DSLRs came out. And then my teacher at the time was like, oh, you've been like taking photos a lot of your like classmates like why won't you you know kind of get into it like you're actually pretty good at it and for me I thought painting wouldn't make any money so I just kind of dropped that idea of being a painter and then just pretty much uh, stick with photography Uh, the other question that you asked for me I feel that it's important to have different outlets because for me photography is my job it's not a hobby And so for people who have a nine to five and they do photography on the side, that's probably their outlet to just like, you know, not be so serious in a sense. Whereas for me, photography is actually my career. So doing other types of things that still is productive and creative at the same time, I think is very helpful because then I'm not so stuck in doing the same thing 24 seven. Yeah, that's kind of how I've been recently with like the podcast. Um, like currently I don't have a job due to like the whole pandemic thing and I recently graduated. So the whole transition of that aspect has been difficult, but the podcast has also been really helped because I don't feel burnt out all the time. Like just shooting pictures, like it's the only thing I've been doing recently. And then being able to transition into the podcast has also been helpful for me as well. You mentioned that you like photography is your job. Um, you shoot some amazing um, editorial work. What's your process for shooting, like in setting up for editorial work for someone who's never experienced that? And me personally, I would love to get into that aspect of photography. Do you have any advice for someone like me who would really want to enter that realm? So for me, this is a whole, I, I, I feel like I want to sound like a mad scientist in some way. So when it comes to doing a photo shoot, I do a lot of pre-production where I do a lot of research uh, depending on the project. It all depends on the the varieties of like what could happen. So let's just say for an editorial, uh, back then I would usually work with a lot of modeling agencies and I don't really do that much type of work, but if you're interested in that type of um, thing, I could give you some advice. In a way, for example, you're usually 
photographing your friends or your family or whoever is like available. But in reality, you can actually photograph legit models as long as you email them and literally just introduce yourself and then email them with like a couple of portraits that you've shot that are like really good, clean, nothing like extra or out out of the ordinary. And then pretty much just kind of give them a mood board, which is like an inspiration board of like what you have in mind and like what you want to do with, you know, a photo shoot with their models. And then usually they would be nice enough and they kind of give you an opportunity to work with their models. And then um, if you do well on the first time, then they'll obviously let you let uh, work with their models again. So when I was in my early 20s, I feel old, but I would always do that. I would do like five test shoots like every week. And I think that's what helped me really figure out my routine and even though I wasn't really getting paid at first uh, testing with models at least like my models in my portraits at least were like legit like they weren't just like random people that I had to go find they were people that were in um, advertisements and commercials and stuff like that so you mentioned that you go in and you have a lot of pre-production for being someone who hasn't really thought about that but wants to get into portraits I I really don't understand like what do you mean by pre-production like how do you do you like plan out each shoot or do you just like have the mood board that you mentioned so for me the way how I go about pre-production is so it it, it starts in stages so it also this goes along with filmmaking so you have pre-production and then you have production and then you have your post-production, which is like editing. And then you get to the picture cut, which is like the final. Uh, so in pre-production, like I said, you do your research, you you know put together, like you could do a treatment. People have different situations. Um, that's why I said it depends on the project. Uh, so for me, let's say we're just doing a portrait shoot. We're not talking about video yet. I would... Uh, put literally a treatment of like uh, pictures of the model. I'd put information of like the location and the time, like a whole call sheet. I would put like uh, images that I want to kind of like emulate or replicate in a sense. Um, And then I would put words that would describe what kind of photo shoot um, I'm trying to like do and like aim for and like just so that if I have a team, especially if I have like a wardrobe makeup artist, um, assistants or anyone else on board, at least they all are on the same page. And that's how a lot of photo shoots get messed up if you have a lot of miscommunication. And so just to have the communication clear, you have this whole, you know, setup of like a treatment where everyone knows what's going on as like guidelines or a reference to the shoot. So that's pretty much pre-production. It's just literally like as if you're studying for a test. It's just all the info, um, just ready before you actually execute and do the shoot. Have you ever had something go wrong like on set? And how was that like whole aspect? Like Oh, 100%. Every, every shoot, it wouldn't be a real shoot if something <laughs> doesn't go wrong. But you always have to have like a plan. For me, I don't even say plan B. I have a B, C, D. <laughs> uh, so like uh, 
for example, this uh, project that I'm currently working on, which uh, I can't really spill that many details yet because I oh, haven't even announced it to the world. <laughs> um, but a lot of people have been seeing some sneak peeks on uh, Instagram. Um, I was at the skate park. Um, all I can say is I'm filming a, a, a short film, uh, all shot in film, uh, video film and photo. And... Um, for example, something that could go wrong is like literally the batteries like ran out on my Super 8 and I was just like super confident that like nothing would, like that wouldn't happen. And so luckily one of my friends who just happened to be there, he was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the corner store and, you know, go buy double uh, A batteries for your camera. And I was just like switching batteries back and forth, um, just hoping that it would just keep firing until my friend came back. Uh, but while I was shooting yesterday, um, the person that I'm like filming for this project, his skateboard literally hit me yesterday. So oh, that okay. also happened. Yeah. And um, his board literally um, hit my shin and um, I was like bleeding like crazy. So then my friend had to go back to the <laughs> corner store and get band-aids. So stuff like that happens. But like, that's also something uh, being like, the main photographer or director, whoever, you have to, you are the leader, you are the captain of your shoot. People look up to you to make the shoot happen. So you can't, like, even though, yeah, of course, it matters that you're injured or whatever. But for me, if I need to get this shoot done and I need the shots that I need, I I knew that the the person I was shooting, like, he felt super bad that I was, like, not, okay but I was like I gotta just pretend that I'm fine for now and then just eat it up later um and I just kept filming and despite how much pain I was in uh but stuff like that happens and you just kind of have to like not brush it off but you just have to keep going until like you just get what you need and then you know then you deal with the pain I guess do you have a set release date for the project yet or you're funny <laughs> Uh, you're trying to get the details here uh soon it's very it's like around probably june june july um it's it's a video and a photo book which uh i've never released a photo book yet which a lot of people have been asking for and i've just been holding off i didn't want to be like everyone else during covid and just releasing zines and photo books just because i really wanted to take time to work on a project that I personally care about, not that these people didn't care about their project, but I literally, um, I don't know, it's just such a big deal for me to just release a, a photo book of my own. Yeah, how's that process been? The, uh, uh, is it difficult? Because I've like talked with um, a couple of people who have made the, a book and everything, and they're just like, the whole process is just stress. And it's just like the whole laying out everything and then the production and making sure everything's like, how you want it has that been difficult I mean as of right now we haven't done we're not in that stage yet of like planning out what the pages would look like I have some sort of visual in my mind already but right now we're just at the stage of just capturing photos uh every weekend we're filming we're shooting um until end of April and then probably May is like we're assembling the book already so it's not a big timeline um, we just started beginning of March, but we've been talking about this project since November. 
Um, so yeah, it's like not that long, but feels long. <laughs> Are you you're excited and about the whole process? Yeah, of course. I mean, for me, it's stressful to think about, but I know in the end, it's always worth it. All these things that I've like been a part of. It's always been stressful. It looks easy because you'll get to watch something on YouTube or whatever, but then you you don't know how much uh, effort is put behind it to make it happen. Yeah, you mentioned that you shoot you're shooting motion picture film. What like drew you to that? Like I currently have always wanted to get into Super Eight, and then I see the prices for the cameras, then I see the price for the film, and then I'm like. I, if I'm going to shoot Super 8 and spend this much money, I'm going to want to get like high resolution scans. And then I'm like, okay, that's, I'm like, for three minutes, I'm spending like $200. What drew you to that investment? It didn't draw me to the, in, uh, I mean, like the prices, at least it doesn't, it didn't draw me to the prices. I invest in filming on actual film just because for one, my background it's fine arts and then it became photography and then I dropped out of college and then 10 years later now I'm on my last semester of my undergrad and I decided to major in literally like to do filmmaking and I didn't even know my I, I go to a college that is not an art school so literally I didn't even know that they offered classes where they teach you how to shoot in 16 millimeter. So that's why I kind of jumped the bandwagon by doing 16 before Super 8. And when I learned how to film with a Bolex um, and all these other cameras uh, with 16, that's when I was like, oh, um, this is like really cool. Um, I mean, of course, at school, you get a discount on film and developing and stuff. And then um, in our school as well, we learn how to like cut and piece together um, the film um, and you put in a projector. It's, it's like old school, like as if you didn't have Adobe Premiere or something like that. Uh, so all of that whole process, it's like, I guess how you would compare with photography in the dark room. Um, I just fell in love with doing motion picture film. Um, and then uh, in school, you only get to shoot black and white, um, and it's a hundred foot roll, so it's like two to three minutes. Um, and then I just wanted to learn more, and then so I ended up investing in buying my own Bolex camera, which is not cheap, uh, but that was like my white whale camera. Um, so just giving you guys an idea of like prices. So my Bolex was like two k, um, and then that's not including like there's three lenses that you attach on the camera, um, which makes it much more easier to like, um, you know, you don't have to swap lenses because they're already on there. Um, so that's like another <laughs> price. Um, and then the film itself is like roughly around 50 a roll. And then that still doesn't include um, developing and scanning it. And whenever I um, get that process at the lab, so usually they offer 1080, 2k 4k and now I found a lab the lab I go to offers 5k um so yeah then that gets <laughs> really pricey um if you know my youtube channel one of the super 8 films that I just put out that was a three minute video and I spent roughly almost well not just super 8 it had 16 in it also um I spent 500 <laughs> so um 
yeah a lot of my classmates who take the same classes they don't invest in film they just do the class and then they probably don't look back and ever but for me because I'm so into um, analog film I really save up and uh, you know use my money on that instead of you know like I guess spending it on other things that you know maybe someone else would use their money for but yeah do you like the tangible aspect of film like what drew me to the whole analog process like other than the fact that one it was cheap when I got into it instead of investing into digital um, but the aspect of whenever I look back at a picture I took it's more like a dreamlike feel and having a physical negative also drew me more to just shooting exclusively analog what is like what drew you to that aspect of just the analog process I think for me studying a lot of movies and like old school movies I'm not talking about like no offense to Marvel films like not nothing that you see nowadays if you watch films from back then and you see how the film look is even even me, I'm very critical in like what movie theaters I go to. Like if it's a movie I don't really care about, I'll go to AMC. Uh, this real talk. And then if I really like the like if if the movie's from like an auteur, which is like uh, directors who have like a certain aesthetic, like Tarantino or um, Wes Anderson, all those people, then I would go to a cinema cafe type of movie theater um, because they actually show the movie in like a, a bigger screen, higher quality, and you and the audience actually is different too. So it's just the whole, there's a lot of, you know, factors into why, but for me, I just feel that like I, I shoot digitally for a lot of uh, client work as well. Um, I just literally bought a Blackmagic um, 6K, but for me, it, it, like I said, it all depends on the project. Um, there's no like one way or the other, but for my personal stuff lately, I've just been shooting a lot of film. It's just something about it. Like you say, like a dreamlike type of feeling for me, it's just that when you look at, um, a movie screen, you could definitely like, you could say you could copy film and add grain to it on digital, um, footage, but it's just not the same. So for me, I just rather shoot the actual thing then try to just copy it on digital um you mentioned that like three minutes costed you five hundred dollars and have you ever felt like a moment where you've been like no this is too much money for just three minutes or has it been like okay this expenditure is worth it i only felt like it wasn't worth it if I myself either a messed up on the roll or two um let's say like I got a film stock that was this has happened like it's expired and like I just took a chance on it and then um nothing showed and then obviously then I spent like hundreds of dollars and it's like okay like that wasn't that sucks but most of the time I've been very fortunate that like uh, you were talking about, you were saying how super eight getting even getting a super eight camera is expensive. Like I literally just bought a super eight camera um, beginning of COVID on eBay for like, let's say uh, like 150, 170. And then I like from some lady who I think it was like her grandfather's estate or something. And I just needed it right away because uh, I wanted to capture the protest. Um, I didn't know if that worked 
or that camera was like legit but um I shot with it and put a roll and then kind of just like a you know just pretty much hope for the best and then yeah and then I got footage that ended up into like a film festival and the newspaper and all these things so it's just like you just don't know um you just kind of gotta like see whatever happens and if that's when it's rewarding when it kind of like works in your favor what drew you to wanting to purchase a camera and go out and shoot the protests? I'm assuming the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, right? Is what yeah. you went up. So how, like, what drew you to being like, all right, I need to go out and capture these moments. What drew you to that aspect of going out? Well, for one, I felt that, uh, you know, being in the time that we're in, and a lot of people that are older, like whether it's our parents or people who are like, you know, or like for me, like my art teacher is very close to me. They all have mentioned like this has never happened in their lives, you know, so like what more that themselves have said that. So I was like to myself, like even though it's dangerous to go to any crowded area because one, you don't want to get sick and two you don't know like what danger is out there um that you might get harmed i just felt that a lot of photographers that we look up to that documented historical things they went out there you know what whether it's a war or what have you and i just felt that uh if i if i need to if i wanted to capture my own you know footage or pictures then i would have to go out there and you know, just take the chance. Um, because obviously, like, I can't do that, you know, on my computer, like, it would be like, you know, obviously, just like, uh, stealing footage or something like that. So there was just something in me that I just wanted to be part of a time that hopefully will never happen again. How far away did you drive to go or walk to to go to a protest? Well, so I live literally like 15 minutes away driving or a train um, to New York City. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect that commuting is even easier because with COVID, not many people were outside to begin with. Um, and then there would be local protests in my city too. So it'd literally just be like five minutes or whatever. Um, so it was pretty convenient. It wasn't that far. Yeah. Um, being a woman of color in an industry that's really saturated with just white men in general, what have been some of the hardest moments for you? Um, how have these moments shaped you like individually as well as as an artist? When I um, just heard you ask that question, for me, despite being in an industry filled with a lot of male and, you know, um, and for me, I just kind of never thought of it actually as a challenge or an issue, which is crazy because a lot of people have broadcast or express online or, you know, what have you, or have even reached out to me, whether they're film photographers or YouTubers, and they've all, you know, told me about how they felt. For me, I kind of like felt very out of place because for me I've just always been doing my thing that's like the real the realest thing I could ever say like I've just always been focusing on myself and like how whatever how can I improve and like how I can get to where I want to be I never felt that 
a guy was in the way of like what I where I want to be. And if and if, you know, I, I get why people think that. And it's crazy because when you go to photo school, most of my classmates were females. And then, you know, but when you are in the industry, you see a lot of males over females and you're just like, where did they all go? So for me, like I said, it, it never really got in the way of what I wanted to do, but I, I understand where people come from with bringing that up. Recently, I've started to notice that, like you mentioned that even in like the photography school that there's a lot of females in there and then you start getting into the industry and it's just all males. Like I went to school for broadcasting and in our classes at SF at, up in San Francisco, it was mostly female. And then I go on set to go work at a Pac-12 job or like like I would work at Cal Berkeley for the football game. And there's like one or two females on the job. And you're just you're always wondering, like, what happened? Like, why do you think happens that way? Why do you think that is? Most of the people that I went to school with when I first went to college for photography, when I so it's interesting. So I dropped out and then I assisted a lot of other photographers. And like I felt like assisting was better than going to school. Uh, and so the people who actually graduated my year, uh, despite me not graduating, they were all coming up to me and was like, oh, how are you getting published? Like, how are you getting all these jobs? And you didn't even like finish school uh, for them. When I look at where they are now and I think about it, they all still kind of do photography, but they're not really out there. And I think some of them probably just settled down. And they just, I'm not saying that you can't settle down and do photography, but they mostly, I guess, when I think about it, all started like families and then like ended up just kind of getting jobs that are just like within wherever like they live, but they're not really trying to establish their name. Let's say they could do photography, but it's not like they're just trying to become something out of it. Uh, whereas me, I really sacrifice um, a lot of my personal life so I could be where I want to be. Um, for me, what's more important is to follow my dreams and like be successful in what I do um, than settling down. Um, because I feel like when you're young, you're, you only have, you know, one life. And so I rather just be traveling the world and like doing a lot of projects because, you know, not saying that you can have a family whenever of course there's like a biological time for females but there's a lot of alternatives nowadays for females so that they don't have to um you know start a family right away so that's just how i see things um you mentioned that you dropped out of school and you started assisting um how was that experience for you what was going through your mind when you were like all right i'm dropping out of school i'm gonna start doing this when I wanted to assist is because like, you know, when you're in school, not everything that your professors teach you is what you want to learn. 100%. I'm in school right now. And so a lot of it I dread and I was just like itching and just wanting to do like I just wanted to be on set and do things that and see things that I wanted to work on. And so I reached out to my favorite photographers, but I've also like at the time didn't even know I wanted to do fashion. So I would just do like that's where I think a lot of young people who start out don't know what necessarily they want to pursue. So then 
my biggest advice always is like just do everything until you figure out what it is that you want to do so I did wedding I did like maternity did all those things and then I realized it wasn't for me and so um, yeah I reached out to my favorite fashion editorial photographer who's based out in New York was fortunate enough to assist him for um, a bunch of shoots and then um, see like how he worked and that's pretty much like I guess when it comes to assisting um, and then also reaching out to like studios like Milk I've interned there like just gotta like really put yourself out there um, and by no means these all these opportunities weren't like amazing in a sense where yeah you learn but there's a lot of like hardships too especially um carrying equipment and like you know lugging stuff it's not like you're shooting you're like literally doing a lot of grunt work um but that's part of you being able to be in those spaces so you kind of that's like the exchange yeah I can't imagine how much anxiety you could have been going through at that time how was like was there a lot of anxiety when making that decision? Like I personally deal with a lot of anxiety and that whole aspect of just like being like, all right, I'm doing a complete 180. Was that like something you had to really deal with? I have social anxiety when it comes to a lot of a crowded amount of people. Uh, I'm really good at one-on-one. So probably like this podcast is like really easy for me. But <laughs> if you put me in a room of people, I'm like a whole different person. But like being on set and you're you know you don't have a choice you're 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 bound to be with a lot of people you just kind of like I've mentioned you have to kind of just take it in and deal with it because it's a job and then you just got to do what you got to do and then once the job is over then you know you can complain all you want and you know feel however you feel but you just kind of have to remind yourself of like I'm here for a reason but also like stand your ground like know that if you feel uncomfortable like don't stay there um or speak and express yourself if you just you know have something to say because I don't know whatever reason is going on um definitely when I was younger I was very quiet and like not outspoken as I am now because I was afraid because I didn't want to like lose the job or lose the opportunity um but I think nowadays, I think people appreciate or respect more if you just say what's on your mind. Um, because if you're just like, you know, kind of passive aggressive, like hoping like they'll un- like read your mind, like you might end up still not getting the job anymore or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Do you feel like your social anxiety has affected like your photography? Like me, when I will, I've always enjoyed like street photography and everything, but just going out and like having that one chance that you take a picture and someone just gets up in your face and you're like, why are you doing that? Or something has always like scared me or like made me like steer away from that. Do you feel like your anxiety has affected your um, photography or even filmmaking in any aspect? When it comes to approaching people, I think I have an upper hand for being a female because most people are just like, oh, she's a girl, like um, pretty harmless. Uh, and and my number one thing is I, I just say that I always ask permission. I, I, I'm, I'm not the one who tries to sneak a shot and then hope that you just don't see that I took a photo of you. That's why I think sometimes street photography is not for me. 
but uh i usually approach if i see someone it will that's my social anxiety it will eat me alive and will be like joan like like you know you want to take that photo of that person like just go there and just ask them and like the worst thing that someone can tell you is no and i know it's easily intimidating to be like oh no they're gonna probably like scream at me or like you know tell me to like go away but like you have to just think about it like we are all human beings and like if you talk to them as like one of your friend like in a respectful way you know at least they should be able to be understanding and just be respectful as well towards you and then you know either and then tell you yes or no or whatever um and sometimes uh, no another thing is i always ask for their like information in a sense of like whether they have instagram or their email um because i always give the photo back I do not like holding people's photos and I never give it to them because I'm just like, I don't know, I feel weird because like I wouldn't want someone to take my photo and I never see it ever again. Like even if it's a, like, a, a, like, I don't know if you can curse here. If it's not a good photo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say if it's not a shitty, it's like whatever. It's just like if, if it's a bad photo of me still, I would still would like to see it Um, just because I'm curious. It actually makes me laugh when people take like, even if I'm at a restaurant, I'm like, hey, can you take a photo of, like, me and, like, my family? I'm so curious in just how they composition or compose the photo. I'm just, like, it just makes me laugh because I'm like, that's what you saw through the camera? Like, I don't know. So, for me, it's just entertaining. But, like I said, um, that's my my thing. I rather I actually beat myself up internally for not taking the photo that I want, Um rather than me approaching the person um i think for anyone who who's afraid to approach anybody like you said like just you know worst case scenario is that yeah like uh, the more someone probably yells at you the more you'll like not want like yeah it'll turn you off at first but then you'll be like oh i I already like got yelled at before like like i could get yelled at again i don't know maybe you'll get like immune to it (laughs) you mentioned about like uh handing the camera off to someone else I find that the most fascinating thing ever as well. Like like I mentioned before we started recording um, that I have film cameras and that's basically all I use. And you hand it off to someone who has never thought about it. They're just like, so like, I don't know how to work it. Or like um, a story one time is we were, my family and I, we were off like at a restaurant somewhere pre-COVID and it was, I had my Instax wide like that's the one thing I do like I have a I have a collection of photos and I have everyone who's in it I have them sign it and date it so I I have that all the way back until like 2017 and it's just a giant collection of that but I hand it off to like a waitress and they take the photo and they only get like half of us and I'm like how how you're like looking through the thing like how did you like you just happened to turn right at the right time I've always found that really fascinating well, I was going to say, isn't the insects wide, though? It's, like, kind of like the lens is, like, on the side, though. It's not straight on. So you could kind of misfire, I feel like. I have the the one where the doinker-looking one, as, like, Ben would put it, but the doinker-looking <laughs> thing where it's, like, the little thing off to the left. The viewfinder is off to the left, and the, cam- the lens is off to the right. So you kind of, like, yeah. have to turn. I, I was like, I know I have it right here really quick. Because I was gonna say it's I don't know which one you have, but I have I just got this one. Is it like this one? Like so that's what I was talking about. That like the yeah, 
Yours is way cooler than mine. This is all white. Mine's just the black and gray one. Oh no, I avoided that one. You came in was like, here, I got the drip real quick. But but yeah, I was like, how where'd you find that? That's that's way cooler than mine. I got this at B and H, but I have the 500 AF too. So um speaking of Ben, we were talking about how I look like I have the Star Wars. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you're just like, uh, let me just show off real quick. No, not at all. I was just asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world is chaotic. We met we keep on mentioning COVID. How like the it's very chaotic right now. How do you where how do you find peace in all this right now? How do I find peace? I feel like my life is chaotic, but maybe <laughs> on social media it looks very peaceful. I honestly if you know me in a personal sense, like my life is not in a bad sense chaotic. It's just very busy. That's why I literally had to put my phone on do not disturb mode, just hoping for the best. For me, yeah, there's so many projects that I do, but I also try my best to maintain all the different relationships I have with people, whether they're here or they're online. I try my best to watch a movie from like different eras like one sometimes I, I'm very ambitious you'll 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 learn that I, I try to watch a movie a different movie like every day um and yeah I'm someone who like doesn't like to sleep which is really like it's very hard um and uh I read a lot so but not like a book in a sense like I just like to read different things like I just like to educate myself so um, is that peaceful for people? Probably not. <laughs> but for me, like I said, I just try to do the things that keep me occupied and make me happy. Um, I guess that's how I could best say it. Because if you let, if you s- just allow people to just like get in your life and take advantage and like be toxic and stuff like that, like that obviously is very draining. And for me, I avoid all of that. And, you know, people can call me cold, but I'm very honest and straightforward and I tell it how it is. And I think a lot of people have a hard time saying no. Um, And I get that it's a process, but I think that's what's helped me, um, you know, keep my flow going. It's just being myself and just like not holding back whatever it is that I'm feeling. Yeah. um, Thank you so much for taking the time coming out i know we're all very busy and i really appreciate that and we had to deal with the time difference but thank you very much for coming on it was really great conversation with you yeah no problem thank you so much if you would like to check out some of the amazing work of joan you could see her on youtube as well as instagram and even check out her website all that information is going to be in the description of this episode if there's an artist you would like to see on the show head over to instagram follow me at joey underscore bally that is j-o-e-y underscore b-a-l-l-i and shoot me a dm thank you for listening and stay safe out there guys